los martes, más películas y más sesiones. Y los martes, more and more and more. Toda la información en kinepolis.es. All the information on kinepolis.es. Ay, casi te hiciste ese corte de pelo. Casi, casi te bañaste desnudo en el mar. Casi, casi, casi saltaste en parapente. Casi, casi, casi te fuiste a vivir a Nueva York. Si casi, 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 casi hiciste algo, es que realmente no lo hiciste. Así que atrévete, acelera y llévate un clase a 180 CDI por solo 23.100 euros financiando con Mercedes-Benz Financial Services. Consulta condiciones en tu concesionario oficial Mercedes-Benz. Oferta válida hasta el 30 de junio. Ven y pruébalo en ITRA, concesionario oficial Mercedes-Benz, calle Pradillo 19. Si necesitas mejorar tu inglés de una manera rápida y efectiva este verano, apúntate a los Summer Impacts. Más información en grupobaugan.com o en el 91-133-5831. La verdadera dimensión de las cosas. Las noticias y actualidad con Richard Baugan. Hello and welcome again. Welcome to a new program of news and uh, current events. What's happening in the news? What's important in my opinion, of course. And for me, what's important are things that have a direct impact on you or which, from which we can draw uh, maybe some philosophical conclusions that could open your mind to something or help you uh, develop a certain... I don't know, a certain vision, a broader vision of uh, events, a broader vision of what's going on. So um, let's get good, let's get going, shall we? The first piece of news is Spanish. It comes from Spain, and it's uh, a statement by our good friend Alfredo Pérez Rubalcaba, who used to be uh, the head of the Socialist Party in Spain. And uh, just the other day, he made a statement that uh, that there is that there needs to be a, a new... A breakthrough in the Spanish educational system. He said the current chaos, chaos means caos, situación caotica, chaotic is the adjective, chaos is the noun. Uh, the current chaos uh, in the Spanish educational system is not going to be easy to solve. It's not going to be easy to clean up. Okay. Well, of course. And he believes that uh, the, in the next Congress, after the elections in November, the new parliament will need to replace a bad law approved without consensus uh, for a text or for a, a law that is much more meditated and guaranteed through a broad, sweeping political agreement, which, of course, includes one, two or more parties. Okay. You know what? I agree. <laughs> I agree, but um, I, I have absolutely no um, faith uh, that this can be achieved. And I would probably not be in favor of the proposals made by Mr. Ubokaba's party uh, concerning education, nor by the other parties as well. Um, the educational system in Spain is a mess, and it's poor in quality. It's uh, the uh, people who reach high levels in Spain who do very well is... Thanks to them, maybe to their families as well, but not thanks to the Spanish educational system. Uh, people reach uh, levels of success or preparation in spite of the educational system, not thanks to the educational system here. Uh, but that's true in many other countries. In, in fact, I would say it's true probably in most countries. I don't think any country 
has found the ideal way to educate young people, children and adolescents and young adults, and adults as well, ongoing education. Uh, the country that seems to be the most popular in the surveys is always Finland. And then they always talk about Japan or Korea, South Korea, and then maybe China, in which they're making strides, important strides in improving the educational system. Uh, but uh, Spain is never mentioned among the top uh, countries, nor the United States, interestingly. And But the question is, uh, what what is important? What do young people, what skills, what abilities, what knowledge uh, do children, adolescents, and young adults need to acquire in order to be happy, in order to know how to, to be balanced and happy, and in order to uh, possess skills that are useful and attractive uh, to society, to business, to industry, and to other elements of society. That's what the educational system has to do. The people who are the product, maybe at the age of 22, who enter the real world uh, and maybe become more independent from their parents, they need to be balanced psychologically, if possible. And at the same time, they need to believe in themselves. They need to have a certain degree of self-confidence. Uh, they need to appreciate the humanities and understand the heritage, nuestra herencia cultural, humanística. They need to understand uh, the uh, humanities and to appreciate uh, the humanities and to enjoy them if they want. And finally, they need to possess a series of skills and abilities uh, that are attractive to the market attractive in every way in which the young person can begin working and very, very quickly, very quickly uh, become an asset and not a liability. An asset is un activo, un activo, como un activo, algo que es positivo y que contribuye a, es an, un activo, un activo, esta mesa que es un activo de esta empresa. It's, uh, and so if I don't have this table in front of me, I would have trouble talking on the microphone to you, and I, I would need to be standing up or sitting in a chair holding a microphone. So uh, the table contributes to a better performance on my part. It's an asset. And a human asset, un activo humano, is a person who contributes in a positive way to society or to the organization where the person works or to the family in which the person lives. That person is a positive asset. And the liability is the opposite. Liability means, uh, bueno, el pasivo de una empresa. But a liability means uh, algo que lastra. It's a liability. Uh, and when we're talking in terms of uh, accounting, we talk about el activo y el pasivo, el balance de situación, and we talk about assets and liabilities. And when we talk about insurance, when we talk about liability and insurance, it's daños a terceros, liability. Liability is una obligación responsable hacia. That's liability. But liability can also mean uh, a handicap, una desventaja, un lastre. Yeah. And um, the educational system needs to deliver to the real world after 20 years. Well, any time between 16 and 20 years, because uh, 
Here in Spain, for example, the educational system starts at age three with escuela infantil or preschool at age three. And these kids need to go up, I think, to, to age 16. Uh, it's mandatory education. Is it 14 or 16? I believe it's 16. It's mandatory education. And so we're talking of 13 mandatory years or 14, really 14 year, mandatory years of education. And at the most, up to age 22 or 23, 20 years, with four years of university. And then some kids, some young people, go on to do master's degree, doctorates, etc. But that's a very small, a relatively small minority. So the educational system has between 14 and 20 years uh, to provide what young people need to be useful and to be an asset and also to be psychologically balanced. And I don't think any educational system is achieving this. Uh, the educational systems in the East, uh, the uh, in Japan, in China, in South Korea, maybe in Vietnam, I don't know, or in Indonesia or in uh, Singapore, etc., are based on the style or the personality and psychological makeup and genetic makeup of these people over there. They're much better in mathematics. They're much stricter in exams, etc., and... Uh, and it becomes an obsession for a lot of the families and for a lot of the kids. Uh, whereas in the United States, which is never considered a good educational system, and I agree that it's not, but I prefer it because it creates more independence, more um, talent, more creativity, uh, more self-confidence, and it provides kids with more natural skills. Uh, when I was going to I remember when in my age, during my years, starting in first grade, first grade, primarily primaria, I had to get up and give a speech once a month. By the time I finished my first year, I had given, I had given nine speeches. And so by the time I turned seven in second grade, I had already given probably nine or 10 or 11 speeches, very short, three minutes, five minutes called show and tell, but uh, at least I was getting used to standing up and talking to groups, and it continued through the years. By the time I reached, by the time I finished the university, I had probably given maybe 200 speeches or 200 uh, short or long speeches, and I had acted, actuar en un escenario, I had acted on a stage maybe 10 times at least, in different types of courses. I would say maybe 20 times I had acted. I, I, I've never sat down to count. And in the, in the East, in Japan and China, they don't do this. They don't learn these more uh, practical abilities that give you, that provide you self-confidence and the feeling that you can conquer the world, that you are capable of doing anything. Uh, maybe they, they're better at mathematics. Maybe they're better at calculus and trigonometry and geometry. Uh, but uh, the American kids are better at simply believing in themselves and saying, why not? Let's go for it. And, and so we create Silicon Valleys and similar things. So I like that educational system, although it is getting worse. A lot of the kids in the United States cannot <laughs> write good sentence, that w write with good sentence structure and good prose. Uh, the public school system is letting its guard down. The public school system and in the entire school system is letting its guard down in the United States, and they need to put it back up and get and discipline themselves much more.
And in Spain as well. In Spain it's a total mess. But I think in every country, every country is making one very important mistake. If I were the king of the world, if I were, this is a hypothetical situation, which will never exist, of course, but if I were the king of the world with total power, I would fire every single teacher in the world. And uh, we would start over a period of one year to recreate. Some of the teachers can survive, but they need to prove that they can win the hearts and the uh, of their students. Because the only thing that counts in, in the classroom, the only thing that counts, the only element that can change the trajectory of the learning curve is the teacher. The ability of the teacher to encandilar, the ability of the teacher to motivate, to inspire students, and to make the subject fascinating, even subjects that initially seem to be boring, a good teacher, an outstanding teacher can make it fascinating, and the young people, not only children, but adolescents and adults, just lighten up their eyes open up, say, wow, I love this teacher. And if you love the teacher, uh, the subject becomes much more interesting. And when the subject becomes much more interesting, it becomes easier to learn. And the learning experience is, is more gratifying, gratifying, rewarding, and learning takes place that otherwise would not. It's all around the teacher. And there, except maybe in Finland a little bit, uh, this is not the center of attention of the educational systems. How to create the best teachers. The system we use today is not designed to create the best teachers. In Spain, Magisterio and uh, Educación, they're not creating the best teachers because many times the people who go there are people who could not reach the type of selectivity grade that they wanted. And so they go into Magisterio. Some people go in for vocation. Or call it's their calling, uh, but we need to make sure that these people have a classroom skill uh, that can really make connect with the students and make the subject interesting, or at least the session. Maybe the subject in itself is rather boring, but if the teacher is outstanding, if the teacher is a leader, a true leader in the classroom, uh, then all of the kids, except those children who are born cynical and born proud, so various, uh, they will benefit enormously. And it's around the teacher where all the work has to be done. So I agree with Mr. Rubalcaba's, Pedro Rubalcaba's uh, statement that uh, uh, there needs to be a, a big transformation in the educational system in Spain. But for me, be it Spain, the U.S., Canada, Finland, Japan, or Singapore, uh, for me, the secret the secret bullet for solving this is in the human and technical caliber of the teacher and all the rest is simply adornment the electronic blackboards computers in the classroom uh, iPads or tablets for every student now yes okay fine fine but if the teacher is not top quality uh, those other elements are a waste of money and a waste of time, basically. So um, 
It's the teacher. More news, more news, more news. Several, several, several states in the United States, several southern states in the U.S. boast flags and incorporate some type of Confederate symbolism. Now, what am I talking about? One state actually includes the Confederate battle standard on its official state flag, and that's Mississippi. Uh, if you look at the flags of the United the if you go into the United States, it's interesting because um, every, like in Spain, every autonomous community or region has its own flag. You have the Corina, you have the other flags. Uh, but the flags of the state, American states, and you can see a list of all kinds of flags. And if you look, you go, if you find the flag, if you say flags of the U United States, and you can look down probably in alphabetical order. And if you go down to Mississippi, if you look at the flag of Mississippi, you can see that that flag contains within it uh, the, the state, the flag of the Confederate States of America, uh, which was the South during the American Civil War. All right, now if you look at the flag of South Carolina, let's check South Carolina. North Carolina, where is South Carolina? I've lost South Carolina boys and girls. Oh, Texas, South Dakota, South Carolina. Oh, that's interesting. Strange. Uh, the South Carolina flag has a, let me look at it more closely, it has a palm tree and a half moon. It's a half moon that some people can, could confuse for the half moon of uh, the Islam. It's in the other direction, but... Uh, and it's it's more of a closed moon, a crescent moon. Uh, but it does lead a person to believe, my God, that maybe there's an important Muslim population in South Carolina, and I'm sure that's not their uh, that's not their intention. But nevertheless, uh, quite a few flags. Some of the flags of the states that originally, 160 years ago, were uh, Confederate states after the secession in 1861. Uh, some of these flags have symbolisms that are that still retain elements of the Confederate flag or the Confederacy. But Mississippi is flagrant. Flagrante. We say flagrant. And, uh, or blatant. Blatant means descarado. Blatant, flagrant uh, showing of the Confederate flag. And a decision has been made to change the flag. All right. I agree. I am, uh, I, I admire some of the, some of the aspects of the Confederate States of America. Some of the things that were typical. If you see the, if you watch the movie Gone with the Wind, uh, you see some of the, the culture and, and social life of the, the Old South. Some of the elements of the Old South were beautiful, but most of them were not. And so it was good that uh, the South did not win the Civil War. And the Confederate flag, for many people, is a sentimental uh, symbol, uh, which is not taken seriously from the point of view of defending uh, racial discrimination or defending uh, the South against the North. But some people have a sentimental they, they apply a sentimental value to the Confederate flag. I don't. I grew up in the South, and, but I don't. And other people wear it 
other people who are considered redneck uh, use it as a symbol of uh, of possible violence or at least of strong feelings against the North. Uh, you don't have this very much. There's not any, hardly any now, animosity in the South towards the North. In fact, the states in the South of the United States are usually more patriotic, more Americana than the states in the North, despite the fact that they seceded from the North uh, back in 1861, 160 years, 164 years ago, I think. And so, uh, no, 104 years. How many years ago? 104 years ago. Oh, no, I'm making a big mistake. 160, 154 years ago. I don't know. I'll work out my math after the class, after this program. Uh, but um, a decision is being made right now. It's in the process of being made. It hasn't been fully made yet to change the Mississippi flag, in which you don't see uh, the Confederate flag within the Mississippi flag. And what's interesting is it's a Republican senator, a Republican senator, I believe, uh, who has... Uh, well, the spe no, excuse me, the Speaker of the House of Representatives in Mississippi, the Mississippi State Legislature, and the Speaker of the House is El Presidente del Congreso de Mississippi, and he's Republican, which means often they are more uh, conservative than the others. Uh, they um, uh, they want to uh, take down the flag and change it. And so it's a good, it's a movement in the right direction to eliminate symbols that could, could lead certain elements of society to uh, remain, uh, too conservative, too radical in their, in their, in their behavior. Uh, just a few minutes ago, I talked about rednecks. Redneck is a word in the United States. This is important because some people get the wrong idea of redneck. Even people in the north of the United States or Canada could have an, uh, a mistaken idea of redneck. A redneck, which basically means cuello rojo, redneck, uh, por estar el, trabajando al sol, is usually used for a type of uh, a type of person who's lower, usually lower middle class or lower class in the agrarian economy or in indus and in, in a, as a factory worker or a farm worker or similar. Uh, whose political views are extremely right-wing, extremely right-wing, far-right, and who like guns and carry guns, and, and they usually drive pickup trucks. They don't drive normal cars. And they drink a lot of beer. <laughs> They're often, they often have beer bellies. And these people, if you get on their wrong side, could uh, beat you up or give you some problems. So you need to stay away from rednecks. Uh, the typical word for paleto, uh, we don't really have a, a single word in the United States that we apply for that concept. Redneck is not the correct word. Although certain rednecks could be under the, the concept of paleto, but most of, we say hillbilly, country bumpkin, or hick, and other words. But a redneck is the type of person you often see in the American movies who's driving a pickup truck. Uh, drinking beer, and there are two shotguns on the back window of their pickup truck, and uh, and they get they get into fights easily. Uh, they're not dressed very nicely, etc. These are rednecks, 
And these people often carry on their watches or on their cars or on their shirts uh, the Confederate flag. And so people have a tendency to to identify the Confederate flag with this type of behavior. And so it's probably better, if this is going to be an ongoing problem, to start removing this flag uh, from the mainstream of the United States. Now, I repeat, some people like the Confederate flag, me too, for sentimental reasons, because it represents an, a dead, a, a, it represents a culture that died in, in many ways. And some of the aspects of that culture were very nice, very interesting, and very positive. But many aspects were not. So I think it's a good idea in the case of Mississippi to withdraw the flag, to change it for another. Here in Spain, we have a similar problem, the Spanish flag. Rojigualda, they say, the Spanish flag, which is really quite attractive. Um, I like it from the point, pure point of view of uh, the aesthetics, uh, because I'm... For me, it doesn't have any special symbolism. But for a lot of people in Spain, it has symbolism uh, because it wasn't the original flag from many, many years ago. And there have been different flags in Spain over the centuries. And so for many people, the, the flag still represents Francoism or phal the phalange groups or or the military. And people have a certain anim animosity animosity towards the uh, uh, Spanish flag and so it creates a dilemma uh, because if you want if you are patriotic if you love your country and you don't want to defend and you want to defend your country or at least you uh, you're happy for your country when they win uh, the World Cup or the European Cup or they win something else and people you have nothing to wave to wave is on there que vas a ondear? Are you going to wave the Spanish flag? Well, some people will call you a facha, or some people will call you very right-wing, or some people will catalog you or categorize you in a certain uh, political group. And so it's a dilemma on what to do. And so Spain has not been able to find a flag or a symbol uh, that can be respected and admired or followed by the vast majority of the people. And also the national anthem, El Himno Nacional. It still leaves a lot of people are don't identify with the national anthem. And besides, the, the, the attempts to put words to the national anthem have been a fiasco and ridiculous. So um, it's, uh, it's something that until Spain can unify and have good leadership that inspires people and brings people together, we'll probably never be able to solve this question here. Okay, we're coming up to the end of another program. We're coming up to the end, but uh, I'll be back. I'll be back with more in just a few minutes, so don't go away. Si necesitas mejorar tu inglés de una manera rápida y efectiva este verano, apúntate a los Summer Impacts, un curso de inglés intensivo con el que mejorarás tu comprensión y agilidad oral en un tiempo récord. Eso es lo que buscas, ¿verdad? Pues no lo dudes y apúntate a los Summer Impacts. Haremos hincapié en la construcción de frases, realizaremos continuas preguntas y respuestas, siempre con el método Baugan. Con Summer Impacts verás rápidamente cómo mejoras con el inglés. Más información en grupobaugan.com o en el 
91-133-5831. Campamentos de inglés sin salir de España. Tus hijos hablarán inglés divirtiéndose, siempre acompañados de nuestros monitores Baugan. Realizarán talleres, actividades, veladas nocturnas y todo ello en inglés. Infórmate sobre nuestros campamentos de verano en el teléfono 91-133-5832. Consigue el inglés que necesitas para completar tu desarrollo profesional con nuestro Máster de Inglés para Ejecutivos. Programas de alto rendimiento en inglés compatible con tu trabajo. Un máster de cinco meses, inglés intensivo y didáctico con el método Baugan. Pero esto no es todo. Para que perfecciones tu inglés al máximo, podrás disfrutar de una estancia en Baugan Town o una semana residencial. Tú eliges. Gana competitividad con nuestro máster. Infórmate en el 911 3 o en grupobaugan.com Solo con escuchar la palabra inglés te entra pánico? Ha llegado el momento de perder el miedo a hablar en inglés. Ven a Vaughan Town y sumérgete durante seis días en el inglés con voluntarios angloparlantes de distintos puntos del planeta y que te ayudarán a superar tus barreras con el idioma, consiguiendo la fluidez y la naturalidad que siempre has soñado. Es la oportunidad perfecta para decir adiós a tus miedos. Te esperamos en Vaughan Town. Llámanos al 911335831. Campamentos de inglés sin salir de España. Tus hijos hablarán inglés divirtiéndose, siempre acompañados de nuestros monitores Baugan. Realizarán talleres, actividades, veladas nocturnas y todo ello en inglés. Infórmate sobre nuestros campamentos de verano en el teléfono 91 133 5832. Disfruta en exclusiva de más de 200 títulos en formato digital de Baugan Systems. Aprenderás inglés de manera fácil, dinámica y atractiva a través de las aplicaciones Kindle y las herramientas de los e-readers. Diccionario integrado, descripciones breves de los textos, un nuevo universo de posibilidades en el aprendizaje del inglés. Entra ahora en Amazon.es barra tienda Baugan. Además, como regalo de inauguración, el primer número del curso de inglés definitivo de Baugan. ¿Te lo vas a perder? Amazon.es barra tienda Baugan. Ay, casi te hiciste ese corte de pelo. Casi, casi te bañaste desnudo en el mar. Casi, casi, casi saltaste en parapente. Casi, casi, casi te fuiste a vivir a Nueva York. Si casi, 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 casi hiciste algo, es que realmente no lo hiciste. Así que atrévete, acelera y llévate un clase a 180 CDI por solo 23.100 euros financiando con Mercedes-Benz Financial Services. Consulta condiciones en tu concesionario oficial Mercedes-Benz. Oferta válida hasta el 30 de junio. Ven y pruébalo en ITRA, concesionario oficial Mercedes-Benz, calle Pradillo 19. We often clean the inner parts of our ears with a Q-tip. Pero, ¿sabías que solo debes utilizarlo por fuera del oído? Ya que si no, empuja la cera hacia el tímpano. Use Audi Spray, a seawater-based natural spray which cleans your ears gently. Usa Audi Spray, un spray natural a base de agua de mar que limpia tus oídos con total naturalidad. Audi Spray. Sold in all pharmacies. Y también Audi Spray Junior. Si necesitas mejorar tu inglés de una manera rápida y efectiva este verano, apúntate a los Summer Impacts. Más información en grupobaugan.com o en el 91-133-5831. Hello and welcome back. Okay, more news, another news item. Almost three in ten Americans say they have no emergency savings. According to a recent survey, okay, a re very recent survey released by when you make a survey or when you take a survey or perform or conduct, me gusta más el verbo to conduct, cuando son encuestas, when you conduct a survey or conduct a poll, uh, often when you publish it, we say it's released, 
A survey released by Bankrate.com says that almost three in ten Americans, or three out of every ten Americans, uh, don't have any emergency savings, which means they're they're living hand-to-mouth. Living hand-to-mouth, which means subsistence, the minimum to get by. They can make ends meet, and that's it. And they don't have enough money to set aside uh, for a rainy day. To set aside is, is poner a un lado y no usar. Lo pones a un lado en previsión de, una, de un día lluvioso. <laughs> it's a, it's a, an expression means for an emergency. You save it for a rainy day or for some type of special use you need to make. Saving money. Of course, right now, saving money is, an, is not very rewarding from the point of view of the type of, uh, uh, benefits you can receive. Because if you save money, what do you do with it? Well, you put it in a savings account in the bank, in a time deposit maybe, or whatever. And what do you receive in return? Well, maybe 0.8%, 1% interest. It's, you receive practically nothing, um, at least psychologically. And, uh, and so it can be very depressing. <laughs> my God, 1%. 1%, my God. Return. I put, uh, if I have $10,000 and I put it in a savings account for one year, uh, well, that, that $10,000 will produce $100 interest for you. So at the, end, at the end of the year, you have $10,100. After 365 days, that's a long time. But wait, uh, your partner, tu socio, te quita parte, which is el tío Sam, or fisco in Spanish, uh, the tax man, or Uncle Sam, he will, uh, he wants his part. Now in Spain, depending on how much you earn, it could be between 25 and 50%. So maybe you finish the year, if you're earning 1% interest on your savings account, at the end of the year, you have 0.5%, really, a net 0.5% interest on your savings. So it's dissuasive. It's dissuasive. Uh, the interest rates are so low now. In fact, there's no inflation. But if you look at it coldly, uh, if you look at it coldly, uh, when you save money and you look for a good return on your investment, uh, the only uh, aspect of the return on investment you need to look at is to what extent uh, can you gain a return, a net return after taxes that's above inflation. Beating inflation. That's the important thing. And it seems that uh, three out of ten Americans have no emergency savings. Emergency savings means a, a cushion. C-U-S-H. Cush, como Bush, George Bush. Con, si fuera con C, sería George Cush. Y luego I-O-N. Cushion. Cushion is the word we use in, uh, in English for cojín. Un cojín. De sofa o algo parecido. It's a cushion. Now, we use this word figuratively uh, for the sense of un colchón de dinero. Para emergencias. Un colchón. Tengo cierto colchón. I have a certain cushion. Okay, so an emergency fund is a cushion you have in case something unexpected happens. Now, in the United States, this is very important to have a cushion or have an emergency fund or emergency savings. Because uh, health care is not 
subsidized by the government. Uh, the Social Security system exists for retirement pension, but it doesn't exist for medical care. And which means if you have a, a son, if let's say you have a, two children and one, a girl and a boy, and uh, the boy is hit by a car in an accident and his, uh, he breaks his, an arm and a leg and several ribs and he spends three months in the hospital. Okay. Now, hopefully in this case, the insurance company of the uh, the, dry, the car's driver will cover the costs. If not, the family has to pay these expenses and it can be, it can break their finances. So people need to, people save more in the United States. And one of the reasons is, is because just in case something happens, if you have a child that develops leukemia or who develops any type of child cancer, uh, then the cost is incredible. Many Spanish people have seen this uh, in the, um, in what we call in the famous television series Breaking Bad. Uh, the main character uh, contracts cancer. And the basic question is how is the family going to finance the, uh, the th therapy? How the family is going to finance the, uh, uh, the chemotherapy? chemotherapy or the radiotherapy that is used. And so it's um it's a dilemma. But here in Spain it's not a dilemma because the social security system will cover it. And the quality of the healthcare I think is usually quite good. Some people in Spain go to Houston or to a Mayo Clinic in Minnesota or to Boston or New York City when they contract cancer, terminal cancer or a special heart disease. But I think here in Spain uh, the quality of medical care is, 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 is high. And you can get here basically the same thing you could get there. I only know one case in which a person was able to, to solve a problem in the United States that was not solved in Spain. And it was a costly solution, very costly. It was a lady, uh, who is, whose daughter is very famous in this country. And they have the same name. And the lady had a problem with her shoulder. She couldn't sleep at night. She had pain in her shoulder. She could barely move her arm. And here they couldn't find the cause. And they took 100 x-rays, uh, resonance scanners, and they couldn't locate the problem. And finally, after about eight months of pain, clear pain, she was not living a quality life. Uh, her husband took her to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. And uh, it took the doctors there a week, a team of doctors. It took them a week to identify the cause. And then they uh, operated on her shoulder and uh, repaired the, the problem. And she was okay after that. After a, a relatively short rehabilitation, she was fine. Uh, but uh, that's the only case I know in which really it, it turns out that in the U.S. they found the cause, whereas here they couldn't. But I think uh, here people don't need to save money as much as in the U.S. There are two basic reasons, people, well, there are many reasons, but the two most important reasons uh, that American families s perf want to try at least to save money is, is one, me medical care. You need to have emergency fund in case something happens. And the second is college education or university education. Uh, the university, 
higher education in the United States is, is very high quality, excellent professors, excellent academic standing. Uh, there are over 3,500 universities, and practically all of them are very good. And some of them are just incredibly good, but they're also incredibly expensive. And so families save money to be able to finance uh, their children's higher education. And it's becoming a problem now there because it's simply too expensive. And so most, are, I don't know how many, but I think almost a, a majority of students in the States now um, access student loans from the government. And there there are billions of dollars that are tied up in these student loans that take a long time to pay back. Because if you go to a university, let, let's say a, a good private university, Notre Dame in Illinois, in Indiana, or you go to Yale, Harvard, you want go into the Ivy Leagues or you go to Stanford or you go to MIT, Caltech, uh, Tex, uh, some of the um, SMU in Dallas, they, 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 these can cost easily $60,000 a year, easily. And if you, it's a four-year program, we're talking of 200, a quarter of a million dollars. And of course, families don't have this type of money. And if they have three children, already you're, you're at three quarters of a million dollars. And if the fa between the father and the mother, they're earning $75,000 a year, it was simply not enough. And so the children access these loans. But a child, a young, well, children, uh, the, adolescent, the young adults, by the time they finish at the age of 22, already a, child, a, a young adult could owe $200,000 to Uncle Sam. And to pay that money back, sometimes they need 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. And it accumulates, and it's a big problem in the United States right now that could create a financial bubble, a debt bubble that could just blow up in the face of Washington and of, of the United States. But that's getting off the subject. Saving money. Saving money. And uh, people are not saving now because in income growth is not taking place. And this is a strange phenomenon that is both in the United States and in Europe and in Spain in which uh, people, the economy is growing. Here the economy is growing at over 3% a year. However, people's disposable income is not growing in general. Although there's more consumption, people are buying more things, growth is slow in consumer spending. And so people are not saving at the same time. It's, it's something that when I was growing up, thank God, uh, we were taught... In junior high school, we were probably 14 or 15 years old, we were taught the power of compounding, the power of compounding, the power of, of uh, compound interest rates in order to understand that it is possible to get rich. Anybody can get rich if you can manage to save a little bit of money, to save. And um, if you can put aside 300 euros per month at 3% interest, by the time you're 65, you'll be rich. And you can retire and live the rest of your life with no problems at all. If you start at the age of 25, 25 to 65, that's 40 years. If you start working when you're 25 and you earn in euros, constant euros, assuming no inflation, of course, if you can earn or no, if you can set aside 
3,000 euros a month, uh, excuse me, 300 euros a month, uh, then, uh, and put it into an interest-bearing account in which the interest is paid into the principal, it will grow very, very slowly in the first five years. It will continue to grow very slowly in the second five years of the 40 years. In the next 10 years, from year 10 to year 20, it will continue to grow apparently quite slowly. Remember, you're, every month you're putting 300 euros into the account. And the interest that this money earns is reinvested in the account. You don't take the interest out. It goes in as new principal. Then in from year 21 to year 30, you will notice it's starting to grow. Oh, not bad, eh? And then from year 31 to year 40, you will see an exponential growth that you will not be able to believe. You say, my God. Every year I'm getting richer and richer. And by the time you reach the age of 65 and you decide to stop, you know, to retire from your job and to stop saving money, uh, you will have enough money to live the rest of your life, even if you live to the age of 100, even if you live for another uh, 35 years. Uh, so um, uh, that's called the power of compounding or the power of compound interest. And you need to look at it. And to see, it becomes exponential. It's a geometric type of question. It's a bit like the famous story of the, uh, the famous story of the uh, Chinese emperor and his son, who was saved by a Chinese peasant. Peasant means campesino. That means the word paisano in Spanish. Peasant is campesino. A Chinese peasant. Uh, in the story goes, the story goes that a Chinese peasant. Uh, saves saves the life of the emperor's son, and the emperor is so grateful for the uh, for the fact that his son was saved by this peasant that he calls the peasant to the to his as an audience, and he tells him, "You can ask me anything you want, and it's yours." And the peasant says, "I only want one thing: a chessboard." And on the chessboard, on the first square, place one grain of rice. On the second square, place two grains of rice. On the third square, four grains of rice. Granos de arroz. On the fifth square, eight. Sixteen. Thirty-two. Sixty-four. One hundred twenty-eight. Two hundred fifty-six. Uh, Five hundred twelve, etc. And I think by, let's see, how much is that? One, two, four, eight. Sixteen, thirty-two, one hundred twenty-eight, two hundred fifty-six, five hundred twelve. We've covered nine squares of the sixty-four. And we're on the first square of the second row on the chessboard. And so the uh, emperor said, no problem. And he told his prime minister, arrange for this man to receive that amount of rice all the way to the 64 squares. Of course, the following day, the uh, prime minister returned to the palace and said, Sire, uh, we, there isn't enough rice in China to pay the peasant for saving your son. And that's the power of... Basically, it's, it's elevating it to the second power. It's just doubling it every time you double. And so uh, 
Uh, that's how it how it grows. And the same thing happens in a savings plan. Of course, you're not doubling your money, even if it's one one three percent per year. If you're compounding it after forty years, you have a lot of money, and you can do this at home and to check and see if I'm right. And if you manage uh, to save money, uh, that means that uh, you can. If you are disciplined, you can do that if you don't lose your job. And so you need to have a source of income, and you need to uh, administer that source of income in a frugal or in a conservative way with with a certain doses of moderation, and then set aside or put aside... Set aside a fixed amount every month that will that you will not touch. In fact, some people, this doesn't happen very often in Spain, but I have seen it in the States. I've seen it here, too, in which um, an employee in an organization speaks to the treasurer and says, uh, Manuel, listen, can you do me a favor? Uh, my monthly salary is uh, 1,900 euros net, my take-home pay. Is one thousand nine hundred euros? Listen, if can you? Is it possible for you to send one thousand five hundred euros into my normal account and four hundred euros into this other account? And nine times out of ten, if um, Manuel is a a nice person, he'll say no problem. We'll program uh, the uh, application to do that automatically, and you'll receive two uh, wire transfers or bank transfers at the end of every month. Part of your salary, the bulk of your salary, bulk, B-U-L-K, como el increíble Hulk, the incredible Hulk, pero con B, es el grueso de tu sueldo en este caso. The bulk of your salary will go to your normal checking account or current account, and the uh, and those 400 euros uh, that is set that you want to set aside will go into the other account that you that you give me, and so that way. Uh, the savings takes place, and you don't need to personally make a monthly decision. It's automatically made. And so you don't even look at that other account. And you speak to the banker, and you say, um, Pablo, listen, uh, this 400 euros are going to enter this account every month. Uh, what can you pay me in interest? 1%. Now, come on. Okay, if you finally say 2%, and, the, and then you tell him, listen, the interest that is uh, derived from this account. I want it to be paid back into the account, not into a separate account. I want it to be reinvested. And it's very possible that the Pablo's Bank can do this for you. And then you, you start to create what we call a nest egg. A nest egg, un huevo de nido. Nest egg is a term in English that means un colchón de dinero. Pero cuando se dice nest egg, se entiende que puede ser bastante dinero, yeah. You start by saving and you create a nest egg. And you have a lot of money. And if you continue for 30 years, 40 years, you can create an enormous amount of money. Uh, but the problem is, is most people, as the money grows and grows, and wow, my God, I have uh, 77,000 euros in my account after 11 years or 15 years. said, so my God. I'm going to take out 40 of that and invest it in the Spanish stock market. And then you start playing with the money. And nine times out of ten, if you're not a professional investor who really knows how to invest, you're going to lose it, my friend. 
So it's better simply to leave it in a conservative financial instrument, drawing interest and compounding that interest. But also you have to nourish the account every month. Every month you have to be very disciplined. And many people have become rich in a slow, gradual, patient way. Okay, let's go on. We have one more piece of news. Well, Jeb Bush is leading the field for the moment in the Republican. Uh, as you know, in next year, there will be president, presidential elections in November 2016. And uh, for the moment, the two leading candidates on the two parties are Hillary Clinton on the Democratic side and Jeb Bush on the Republican side. Okay. Uh, Jeb Bush is the younger brother of George. He, uh, I believe he's more intelligent than George. And I'm convinced. George is not. A, <laughs> George Bush is not dumb. Uh, however, I don't think he was the ideal person to be the president of the United States. Uh, but uh, his brother is pretty sharp. His brother's a sharp guy. Brother speaks Spanish very, very well, by the way, because his, uh, his wife is Mexican. And they use Spanish. They have used Spanish a lot. And I think his children are bilingual. Uh, Jeb Bush's children. Perfectly bilingual. Mexican and Eng Mexican Spanish and uh, American English, of course. Jeb Bush was the governor of uh, Florida for eight years. So he has eight years of executive experience um, managing an economy of 20 million people in a very dynamic and vibrant economy in uh, in Florida. And he was also the governor during one or two or three important hurricanes. Uh, so he has uh, a lot of experience with crisis management and emergency management in his job. So he's probably a good candidate from the Republican Party. And Hillary Clinton is also an intelligent woman and she has a lot of experience. And of course, she spent eight years in the White House. So she knows how things work in Washington. Although I don't agree with her policies, usually um, it won't be a tragedy for me if she becomes the president. And besides, finally, we can say, okay, we've had a black president and now a woman president. Uh, maybe Jew then people say, we need to have a Jewish president. Well, fine. Who knows? But getting back to this, um, uh, it's interesting about the uh, Republican Party right now. There are 16 people vying to become uh, the candidate for the Republican Party. Now, that's a correct primary. There are 16 candidates right now who are jockeying for position, like a jockey riding the horse down the home stretch to the finish line. Uh, there are um, 16 senators, governors, and other members of the Republican Party who are jockeying for position to be nominated uh, next August, August of next year, is the Republican National Convention. And will but the decision will probably the the candidate will probably be pre chosen during the primary process. I would say that by the month of May, May first of next year we'll know uh, what person will be the uh the nominee of each party for the convention. Things have changed now. The primary system is has become very uh, very good in, in uh, weeding out people who are less convincing and uh, honing it down to people who are more convincing and finally deciding. And there's so many different uh, primaries. You have Iowa, New Hampshire, 
South Carolina, North Carolina, South Dakota, the Texas primary, the Kentucky primary, and then finally, one, the last primary, I believe in June, is the California primary. And by the time the California primary takes place, it's pretty clear who the uh, candidate is going to be. So, um, so it's, uh, it's, it's probably going to be an interesting thing, and it would be very good for Spanish people to observe uh, the primary process, especially in the Republican Party, because there are 16 different candidates, and to watch how it's done. It would be very good for people in a position of political influence to watch how the primaries are conducted in the United States and how the candidate is chosen basically by popular vote. It's not by internal party voting. It's by people who registered as Republicans or Democrats when they uh, registered to become a voter when they turned age 18. Uh, but they have the right to vote in the primaries in many states. So it should be interesting to watch. And um, Ben Carson, one of them, is a black man on the Republican ticket. To find a black man who is Republican is quite interesting. Ben Carson, I believe it's, yes, Ben Carson. And he was a very successful surgeon, neurocirujano, a very, very, very prestigious neurosurgeon, black. Uh, he worked in Johns Hopkins, and he is one of the candidates to be nominated. We'll see. Well, I have to go. Have a great day. Drive carefully and enjoy and learn.